This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Am I excited for the show today, Pat? How about you? Uh, well... If uh, my my computer would decide to stop having some technical difficulties, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, uh, and you you seem a little more chipper than than usual. Well, if um, only because um, I was getting close to the weekend and I get to go and see my in laws. Normally, that's not a chipper moment for most guys, but um, my my in laws are fantastically fun, so um, I get to go see them. And then, more importantly, Pat. Um, after an hour of struggling to get the show to record, we're actually recording the show. Uh, right. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're happy to be alongside you today. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. You can find me at The Coppins Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Getter. Pat, you can be found at The Pat Oni Show on all of those except for Getter, and that's fine because I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do or just don't have time for. I'm 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 in debate with it at the moment. I I'm not saying I'm not going to get it. I'm just in debate with myself over it, which is perfectly normal, natural thing to be in debate over. So that having been said, today on the show is obviously uncomfortable truths on a Thursday. So we're going to do that in the second half of the show, and in the first half, we're going to continue the discussion amongst the four main areas, if you will. Yesterday, it was economics and foreign policy. Today, we're going to tackle immigration and crime. Because I think when you if you put if you put the issues that voters care about into buckets, right, I think these are the four buckets that matter the most. What about you? Uh, no, I, I would say that's probably the gist of it. OK, so having said that, um, 
we're going to talk those things today, but we we're not going to talk the policy, right? We talked the principles. We talked free right. markets, free association. We talked free people when it comes to um, to immigration as the principle, and then we talked about justice and mercy or um, restitution and reform, right? I think those are interchangeable. Um, you can use whichever term you want because for me, they kind of mean the same thing. Right. Um, justice is restitution. Mercy is reform. And um, so that those are the principles. And what we're going to be doing today, like we did yesterday, is is answer the, the big questions, Pat. And the, and the big questions being, you know, how do we get from our principles? Or how do we get to our principles from where we are today, right? How do we go from today to where our principles can matter? And then next week on Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to be talking about the actual policies that we should be supporting because we have to lay the foundation. You have to know what the principles are. You have to know how to have the fight. And then you have to know how to put forth. Once you have that fight, once you win that fight, okay, so what are we going to do policy-wise? And we have made the argument that for economics, right, the, the biggest thing is the 50 incubators that exist in the United States of America, known as states. We, we can see what people prefer by where they move to, how they vote, um, what policies they prefer Right, we we can see that, and what fights happen throughout the country, and more importantly, just because somebody prefers a policy, does it actually work? And I think you know that's what we talked about with economics and and with foreign policy. How do we get to our principled idea of free association from where we are today? And that's you know let's talk about where immigration breaks down and what those principles look like on paper. And then what policies get us there? So we're going to talk about all of those things next week on Wednesday and Thursday. But Pat, it's time to let the cat out of the bag. I think there's well, a what, what what cat is that exactly? Um, is it a cool cat? Yeah, it's something about do what you believe. Oh, or you won't be free to do it much longer. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, and and we have dropped that hint a few times throughout this week. So, Pat, why don't you let that cat out of the bag as to what is going to happen in our uh, first show next week? Because um, next Monday, I will not be available. I will still be traveling. Um, so, Pat will be flying solo uh, next Monday. Yep, and it'll be a party. So, it's always a party without Andrew Coppins. You know, buzzkill and everything. Buzz Killington. <laughs> All right. So next Tuesday, folks, you do not want to miss this show. Next Tuesday in the second half of the show, we are going to be having Steve Dace from the Steve Dace show um, on to talk about his new book, Do What You Believe. And um we will we will have some fun with him we'll, we'll play the b or not to be with him um we'll talk to him about his book um it, and it'll be fun it'll be a fun fun interview i'm actually very excited for this this is probably our biggest guest to date 
Yeah, Michael Knowles probably. and him. Yeah. Yeah, I, like like Michael Knowles and him are probably a pretty close to the same level, I would say. <clears throat> yeah, and I would say Steve is actually getting bigger. Yeah, I I would argue that as well. So. But uh but we are excited because you know, for me, it it's always good to interview fellow travelers. And and what do I mean by that? Fellow travelers in Liberty, fellow travelers in my god, we have spent the last 2 years battling data, battling the science, battling Fauci, all those things. He's also the author of the uh, Fauci and Bargain. And um, we, if you remember, we actually uh, interviewed his co-host when Fauci and Bargain came out, Todd Erzin, back in, what, April of last year? Uh, April, May, somewhere around there, I think. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So we... So I'm excited because this is an individual who's not like-minded because I think we would differ. I'm much more libertarian than he is in in policy ideas and things like that. But um, I, I think the two of us are fellow travelers when it comes to seeking truth. And it's going to be fun yeah. to to really hone in on some of the, the ideas and concepts. And um, I think the two of us are ideas guys and also – um, how do we exercise those ideas? So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have him for the full half hour to the end of next Tuesday's program. So we're excited by that. Um, now, so we'll, we'll be punted with, with everything we've got going on. We we may punt on the truth or fiction stuff. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe we'll play a couple of truth or fictions with him. Um, and then get into the book. I think that might be kind of how we do it, but we're still figuring that out. But again, next Tuesday, Steve Dace will join us right here on the program. So uh, set your calendars. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Subscribe to our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Um, Steve will join us um, with video and everything. So we're going to be excited by uh, having him on and uh, diving into do what you believe or you won't be able to do it for much longer or you won't be free to do it for much longer. Um, we're we're going to dive into that concept and some other things as well. So I'm uh, excited by that. But speaking of diving in, let's go ahead and dive in to answering how do we get to our principles from where we are today on immigration? And I think immigration is an interesting um, topic when it, when we want to look at this question, right? Because I could make an argument that both the left and the libertarian movement are more closely associated um, in how they would see immigration today. You're probably right. Um, and this, this this might be the one where you and I might differ a little bit because you are more libertarian than I am. Well, I mean, we, we have flat out said that before. Yep. Um, granted I have become much more libertarian over the years myself, but I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself to be where you are. Um, that yeah, being, and, and yeah. I want to preface this by saying, I don't necessarily support open borders, right? In so much as anybody can come at any point in time and become a citizen. And, and right. that I think is the distinction that matters in this, in this debate. Okay. Um, with the left, because the left firmly believes, Pat, what? That we need to open our borders. Anybody can come in here at any point in time and become an actual citizen of the United States of America. Which is no. 
for me. That's a solid no. And, and the kind of, I, I've always likened this to my country is like my house. I have the right to know who's coming into my house at all times. Um, that being said, if someone's going to come and live in my house, I also expect there to be a stake in the game for that person. So they can't just come and live there for the sake of living there. They have to contribute something to my household and provide something of value to me for me to even consider it. Okay. Because I have the right to say new. Now I understand there's some nuanced differences when it comes from personal house to country, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also, like you, believe there needs to be some serious reform on the government level of how immigration ought to work in this country. Um, and if I we look at this, we talked about this the other day. We, we laid out the idea of when it comes to immigration, we're talking about a free people. That does not necessarily mean open borders, by the way, folks. I, I know that that's what that kind of sounds like, but it's not. Um. And then I, I thought about this more yesterday, and I think immigration and foreign policy a lot of times kind of go hand in hand with each other in terms of freedom of association. We should have the freedom to associate with whoever we want, whenever we want. It goes the same thing with immigrants as well. They should have the ability to associate with whoever they want and whoever aligns with their interests. So it doesn't necessarily always mean it's going to be us at the end of the day in terms of the country they want to immigrate to. Um, they have values and principles of their own, and they, they, they should go, if they're going to immigrate from their own country for whatever reason, go where that's going to be best in line with, with those things. That being said, you know, freedom of association and a free people, I think, go hand in hand here to where you are able to choose who you want to associate with and you should also be able to um, freely do it. And also, I would even say the other part, other side of this is, what are you going to be able to contribute to that country that you are wanting to move to? Because I think you have to have a stake in the game. Right. I had mentioned this concept of, you know, give us your poor, your hungry, your huddled mm-hmm. masses yearning to be free. And how that gets misrepresented, right? Because they don't read the right. rest of the poem ever. They just assume that this means it, that this means give us all of your people. No, what the poem again means is that we're going to take in your refuge. You know, we're going to take in the dredges of your society, quote unquote. And those dredges of society are going to shine here. You know, how many times do we see the story of or hear the story of somebody with five dollars in their pocket when they come to America and they build a successful business or, you know, they they run a grocery store or, you know, they they define their own success here in America compared to where they came from. Right. Right. How many times do we see that? But that's because of the American system. Right. So. Right. Uh, it, it's, I don't want to belabor that. The rest of the world, right? To, right? to be able to take them in and, and make them the, make them the, some of the best people in the world. Yeah, it's absolutely a middle finger to the rest of the world, and that's mm. what that poem actually is. That poem that you see on the base of the Statue of Liberty. It is not 
people have no clue most of the time what the history of the Statue of Liberty is other than it was a gift from France. Right. And that's only part of the story of the Statue of Liberty's creation to begin with. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the point I'm making with all of this is that right now, ask you ask yourself this. Where are we right now when it comes to immigration? I argue our system is completely and totally broken. And we look at the the southern border, right, with all right. the illegal crossings. We look at the overstays of the visas. We look at um, people even crossing over from Canada, right? And we look at people coming here for vacation and staying, okay? I'm not saying you can 100% solve these things, right? I, 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 don't, I don't believe that you can. But I also don't yeah. believe the answer to all of that is open the floodgates, Right. I don't believe right. necessarily in open borders. What I do believe in is you, the line, and, and I used this the other day, make legal immigration great again. And what do I mean by that? That's a slogan, right? And it can help inform the principles and the policies. But right now, legal immigration is at the bottom of the totem pole of how to get here. Yeah, it absolutely and, and, is. And the, it the people, shouldn't be. Well, because the people that do it legally, they're often waiting years Decades. to actually immigrate here legally. We So how do we get to the principle of a free people? People being free to come to America in an orderly fashion. How do we do that? We have to have the fight of legal immigration is the important part of all of this. Can we agree that there needs to be a system that allows people to legally immigrate easily to America? And that is quick vetting. That is, you know, all of the things. And can we agree that there's going to be some risk in that? Yes. Okay. The other aspect of this is we have to have a conversation about the magnets that we have for illegal immigration into the United States of America. For instance, look at the abuse of the anchor child situation. And I'm not talking about anchor babies because I believe if you are born here, great. Um, you should become, you should have the, the rights of citizenship, right? But Pat, what I'm actually talking about here is the situation in which if you are a child, right, and you get over the border, you become an anchor for the rest of your family to be able to come here. We we see um, the the family separation policy, right? We, all the all the policy things. What we have to agree upon here is that we have to find what's broken in the immigration system and fix it. We have to agree upon that right now the what is what is going on in our immigration system doesn't work. And it doesn't work because we have an immigration system that is stuck in 1920 thought processes, right? We live in a global economy. We live in a remote economy. We live in a world that is vastly different than the one that created the apparatuses 
and created the thoughts and principles and policies around immigration. And we hinted at this with the free markets, the free association. So in order to get to the free people, you have to have that free market. You have to have that free association because once you have those two things, the third piece of the puzzle, the puzzle or the piece of the puzzle that might matter for an Apple or for me, right? If I, if I'm a startup company and I know that there's somebody in India, right? That is going to be fantastic, but I need them here because this is a physical product or, uh, or whatever have you, right? Or if I have somebody from Bangladesh or, you know, Timbuktu, I, I don't care, right? Pick, pick a spot, right? You know, put, put your finger on the globe and just pick a spot. I don't care. I should have the ability to vet them, to bring them in here. We don't have that right now. We have some of it. But again, there's a limitation to the number of visas. There's a limitation to the time frame. There's a limitation to this. There's a limitation to that. It's very simple. The limitation that we need to have going forward is based off of your employment, right? Hey, you're no longer employed by XYZ company. Sorry, you must return. Or we just say, okay, we're going to be able to grant you temporary citizenship until you pass a citizenship test, right? We can talk about all the policies in the world, but we have to go from this broken system to having the conversation over what a new system looks like. In 21st century America and in 21st century world, what does an immigration system actually look like? Well, I, I don't know if we're I don't, I don't able to have that conversation because <clears throat> the MAGA forever types are interested in the wall, are interested in having fights that belong in 1950s America. And we're not interested in tackling the bigger questions, right? What are the magnets, right? We have we have a magnet in social security. We have a magnet in all of the welfare state things that people are abusing, by the way, when they come here illegally. We're allowing them to use our education system, spend $15,000 on their their child to educate them while they are contributing absolutely nothing, legally speaking, to our society. Are they paying taxes? No. So they're draining that. And, and you can talk about the Center for Immigration Studies and all the studies that they've done showing it's not just education. It is, you know, um, uh, WIC and, and all of those things, right? Now, right. It's also how we have a system of illegal drugs, right? And we see the cartels and their trafficking trafficking of humans and using children as drug mules and yada, 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 okay? So if we, we have to have the conversation, how do we get to the principle of free people? We have to start having the conversations and... What I mean by this is the politicians and us as a society more broadly have to have the hard conversations and come to some understandings over what things we're going to solve for. We have to. And my argument is what we need is first is a pause on all immigration. We have to close our border completely. For a period of time, 
And then we have to have that national conversation. We do. Well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And this is, this is where I kind of would say, you know, and maybe this could be a good transition for crime is that, you know, when it comes to immigration too, I think there's also a level of justice and mercy as well. Um, right. And that, that's all part of the conversation, but are we right. having it? No, we're not. No, we're not having it. We're, 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 we're content with whatever broken system and then the outrage, right? We're outraged over the uh, border separation policies. We're outraged over this. We're outraged over that, right? And then we go on our merry way and live our lives. Right? How, how, how right. much of our society see or how much of our society knows about the immigration issues that are going on? Right now, how many how much of our society is paying attention to the fact that we still have caravans, that we still have um, massive amounts of people crossing the southern border that are from, I don't know, the southern hemisphere that are from the eastern hemisphere? How the how hell does that our, happen? I, I, right. And here's the thing. How much of our society actually cares about it? How much of our society is actually like, like, especially this part of the society that's like, oh yeah, come on in, come on over. Like, well, let's open our borders. How many of you are willing to take these people in and actually provide for, help them, help them get on their feet and provide for them for a while? Right. You know? and we have to have a conversation over assimilation, right? Is right. assimilation our goal going forward? Or is it just that free people should be able to freely associate as they want and there's no such thing as being an American? Because if you were to go to Europe, there is such a thing as being a, a, uh, being French, being German, being Polish, being Austrian, being Italian, right? You can define what those things are. Can you define what being an American is? America has always been an idea, not a nationality, in my viewpoint, or at least a set of ideals. So yeah. let's have those conversations because we, we can't get to policy if we can't agree as to what the problem is first. And then um, how do we have conversations about solving the problem? Okay, Pat, I think it's time for us to switch gears. I think people get the point when it comes to immigration is that we have to understand what the baseline is. We have to have the difficult conversations as to what our priorities are and what the future can look like. And then we can talk policy around those things, right? And I think next week what we're going to do is kind of shape where we would like policy to go around those ideas and concepts, right? We're going to assume that we have had the conversations and, and our side wins, right? Okay, so how do we show America writ large that we're right? And how do we do that? Um, so that's where we're going to go with that. But we've got one more one more area to, to tackle here before we get into the be or not the be and uncomfortable truths on this Thursday edition of Critical Thinking. By the way, check us out um, rumble.com backslash critical thinking for the video version of this show. And of course, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. And then um, over the weekend, again, your goal as a listener to the podcast, or if you're listening on Mojo 5.0 radio at 5 p.m. Eastern time, every Monday through Friday, tell one person 
to download the podcast, to subscribe, tell them about this show. It's just that simple. One person over the weekend, hell, take their phone and hit subscribe on their podcasting app, whatever, whatever it takes. Make them curious about the show. Now, the other area that we have to talk about here is crime. And we've talked about the the principle that we are looking at is mercy and justice, justice and mercy, or restitution and reformation, right? Or reform. And what do we mean by reform again, Pat? I, I want I want people to understand what we mean by reform because this could have some connotation that others might take a different direction. I, I think reform is when, you know, you first of all, you have some sort of, of penance and repentance of whatever it is that you did. Right. Um, and th- this goes for any crime in any class of criminal across the board. You, you um, pay your debt to society, if you will. Right. But within that, that reform would be more than just sitting in a jail cell. Um, it's actually um, working with, with that individual to help them overcome whatever it is of, of that triggers them to do what they did in the first place of what got them there right. um, to rehabilitate them. I mean, back in what the olden days, a lot of it was work, right? They, they would work it out of them. They did hard labor. That's um, not so what that we're talking part about. Of it. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking um, about a system that is focused on restitution, right? Right. Paying for whatever. That is the justice part as well. And right. then the mercy part is understanding that one size fits all solutions don't work. Right. And that we have to focus on what works for the individual because there could be mitigating circumstances for the crime, right? It could be that they're addicted to drugs. It could be that they're addicted right. to um, whatever, right? right? So for the for the person addicted to drugs, right, does, does jail help or hurt them? Does it solve the issue that's in front of them? Potentially, it, it, but most times, no, because they're not given the tools to be able to do so. Because right. the focus is on staying alive in prison, right? Right. Well, or I mean, more I, importantly, I, how can I get the drug that I'm hooked on because it, it does exist in prison, right? Right. I've had friends and family members that have done stints in prison here and there mm-hmm. um, for a lot of it for drug addiction um, and that drug addiction causing them to do things that they normally wouldn't otherwise do, like stealing, for example. Right, right. Um, so, you know, prison did nothing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when they got out, yeah, they might have been clean and sober for a little while, but then they ultimately fell back into old habits. Right. They're not given the tools to be able to to improve, right? And we're not mm-hmm. saying people are going to be perfect out of this, but what we are saying is that our principles must be justice and mercy or restitution and reform, right? right. And we have to have a justice system that is focused on those two things because right now we don't. We have a justice system that is focused on one-size-fits-all solutions, and more importantly, we also have a justice system that believes in what, Pat? Um, I mean... That, um, that you know, it, we have I to focus on... Justice system, 
Go ahead. It's a justice system of political will. That's for sure. And we have DAs all over the country hired by George Soros, right? Right. Or bought by George Soros to quote unquote reform the criminal justice system, aka let criminals go free. It isn't about petty crimes or anything else. It is about the fact that, um, you know, um, it's just not fair that poor people can't afford bail, right? We, we're, right. we're focusing on money, right, as the answer here. And, okay, so let's have that conversation. So where, how do we get to our principle of justice and mercy from where we are today? And my argument is that, again, we have to have the conversation. And the conversation is, what does justice mean? What does mercy mean? Let's define our terms. And for me, mercy is not an individual act because we can't – it is that in some respects, right? <clears throat> but as a society, what is merciful? Mercy is – us recognizing and treating the problem. That's the mercy point of all of this, right? And for those who are addicted to drugs, right? Here's a great example. And this isn't necessarily policy per se, because I don't know how you would enact the policy or how it would work necessarily on a federal level. But if you have control locally, run as a DA, right? This is how we go from the problems that we see to solutions. Because right here in Chicago, Pat, we see 65, almost 70% of all people who are let go on recognizance bonds or low bond commit crimes between their bond hearing and their actual hearing. And we're not talking about nonviolent criminals. We're talking about people armed carjackings, people who are robbing people um, robbing homes, right? Continue right. with violent crime while they're still out on the street. So, what I am talking about is we have to have a recognition that we must put in place people who believe in justice and mercy at a local level because I don't think you can have this federal conversation, right? Because the federal government, while it has some control, doesn't have the most control. That's at a state and local level, right? So follow the George Soros model as far as I'm concerned. Let's get people into positions of, of power over the justice system that will reform the justice system in a way that actually solves the issues. And let's be real here. There are people who are just straight up criminals, there are gangs. There are people who the only answer is justice, right? Or more importantly, the merciful thing for our society is for those people to not be a participant in regular society. But there are people who deserve our mercy because they have no control over what is going on. The, the addicted, the people with real mental health issues. So, those individuals get the help that they need. And if they can complete those things, you know, drug courts are a really good example, right? They have been proven to be largely helpful, largely helpful. Are they, are they perfect? No. 
Again, we're, our, our goal is not a perfected society. Our goal is to set society up for the greatest amount of success possible, right? Our goal is the greatest amount of liberty so that the greatest amount of people can succeed. But if you're not given the tools to succeed, Pat, how how are how is prison helpful to those who aren't given tools, who may not even know they have a mental health issue, right? So it's really, right. really, really simple. We focus on mental health screenings. We focus on drug addiction. And we get the people the help that they need. And if they can complete that treatment process, right, if that is what they can complete, then we bring them back into society. And you give them multiple opportunities to do so, by the way, because it doesn't stick the first time for everybody, right? Right. And for those who are paranoid schizophrenic or have other mental health issues that can lead to criminal behavior, right? Sometimes your chemical balances don't work. And sometimes they get out of whack and medication needs to be readjusted or you need help. So we get them the help that they need re-enter back into society. But you get three strikes and the fourth, you go to prison, right? I think it's that simple. I think that's where we need to be as a society, but to get the people the help that they need. And uh, a great example in DUI situations, you're supposed to go to these victim impact panels. You're supposed to go get um, a drug and alcohol assessment and get a plan together, right? You go to a group session, you talk the talk, and you go home. Is there any actual help? Not unless you take it seriously, right? Right. The, but that goes for everything. But if you could do it more one-on-one, -on -one, if you could do it for longer if you could do it you know, in those situations that actually are helpful for you, that would have a bigger impact on society. And more importantly, it's money that's much more well spent. So when I take a look at this idea of crime, right, how do we deal with it? It is about focusing on not the criminal act. It is focusing on the why it's happening, but in a different way than what the left is talking about. We're talking about giving them opportunities to improve themselves. Show improve, right? The problem is that they're trying to get people to show improve that are incapable of showing improving, right? They're focusing on the wrong people, right? We're we're focusing on you know, letting them go right away instead of, hey, are these people mentally stable or are they going to commit this crime again because of their mental instability? right? We're not focusing on that being the thing that happens upon arrest, right? We're not focusing on how do we figure out who we take a look at in our society to get help. We're not focusing on those things. We, we really aren't, at least not until they're convicted, right? And we could do right. this before they're convicted. And, and that's the important part. We're not, we're not going to be perfect. We never will have a perfect solution to all of this. And that's where I'm at. If you want mercy and justice, you can focus in on, you know, maybe part of the process, right, is you complete your, your rehab, you complete your mental health, whatever, right? However we want to set it up, and guess what? You're paying a fine. Or guess what? You're going to do something that can benefit the community. 
But again, the benefit to the community is what? That health, that proper help, so that in the future, this might not be something that happens. And I think we're closer to being able to have this discussion than any of the other discussions that we've talked about. What say you? I think I would agree with pretty much all of that. Um, I think, though, the one thing I would say that might be a little bit different is um, we can we can pursue perfection in the criminal justice system. We'll never be perfect, I agree. But we can pursue perfection by the pursuit of liberty. Um, it'll always be a pursuit. Uh, it, right. Pursuing perfection is never going to be you, – you'll never achieve it, but you can still pursue it. And I think, I think as long as you're doing that, then – you're always going to find that line of where, or, or not always, but you'll, you'll, for the vast majority of the time, find that line of where justice and mercy will meet and be able to create policy behind that that is ultimately a benefit to society <laughs> and benefit to individuals rather than whatever it is that, that we have now, which I, like I said before, I think we have a system that is largely based off of political will. I mean, yeah. Take we, a look at Rittenhouse. Take a look like at uh, Gisalian Maxwell's trial. Right. Look at right. Look at the political um, apparatus that was around all of those things. Because I right. can make an argument in the Rittenhouse case that there should never have been charges at all. There's right. no, literally, no case there. None. And, and, and this that, was all I about politics. That's a perfect case. Perfect case of political will. Yep. Absolutely. So as we take a look at this stuff, as we go forward, we're going to give you actual policies that we would like to see enacted going forward next week. So we've layered on the principle. We've layered on the problem. Now the solution. That's where we're going to go next week on Wednesday and Thursday in these same four categories. So be prepared for some um, light conversation <laughs> Now, let's go forward here because it's time for the B or not the B. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Today's headline, science accused of lying under oath. Today's headline, science accused of lying under oath. And while you are all thinking about that wonderful goodness, uh, do not forget to visit our fine friends at American Pride Roasters. We love them. We love them. We love them. Again, AmericanPrideRoasters.com. They're the official coffee of Mojo 5 Radio. But more importantly, uh, uh, good people. Good people. That, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and we got good news on Tim from American Pride Roasters as well. He's getting better, feeling better. The prayers, the thoughts, uh, the jokes, all of it have been very, very helpful. Um, so I'm glad to hear about that. Um, but go support small businesses that don't insult you unless you deserve it on Twitter. And of course, uh, DMX and DM running a great show there, AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Again, go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com, get historically great coffee. Okay, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? No, I don't. And why? I'm going to tell you why. You've seen this headline? I almost chose this headline yesterday. Damn it. Um, and this, so this is the Babylon Bee. You are correct. Mm -hmm. Science accused of lying under oath. <clears throat> the nation's capital was rocked this morning after a new report by Project Veritas revealed that Dr. Fauci, who is the living embodiment of science, 
itself may have lied under oath about engineering deadly coronaviruses in a Wuhan lab. This is devastating, said Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of the venerable high priests of science. Quote, I have never known science to lie to me. It's always true, whether or not you believe in it. To think that Dr. Fauci, who is science incarnated in the flesh, could perjure himself is very disturbing. Some unbelieving critics have suggested that maybe Fauci isn't really science itself, but instead a corrupt bureaucrat with human flaws and imperfections and a tendency to lie to protect himself. Officials from the NIH have condemned these critics as heretics who deserve to be condemned to eternal punishment by science for all eternity. I am not lying, quote, I have never lied, my dear children, Fauci said to an adoring crowd of screaming fans outside his Northwest Washington mansion. Quote, I am merely testing your faith. Believe in me and in science who sent me. Yes, our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci there, folks. By the way, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that, that not only is Fauci argumentably the most evil American in American history, um, but I, I also think he's the kind of guy that would have an idol to himself in his backyard. Because that's the kind of hubris this man has. Well, I mean, to to your point about the spirit of the age and all that, is he or is he not a false idol to most people of the left? Oh, he's not just a false idol to most people on the left. He's a false idol to everyone that's part of the cult of COVID. Yeah. And there are people on the right that are part of this. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. We both know people that are more on the right that are all about the cult of COVID. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we freaking do. Now, that having been said, um, I think it's time for some uncomfortable truths, Pat. Do you have one for me? Yes. Yes, I do. I actually sent this one to you last night. It's from the BBC. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if, if anyone will have seen this story, but um, the, the headline is COVID ICU boy 13 urges everyone to get tested for virus. I have two uncomfortable truths with this story. One, so this, this boy has uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Okay, you can, you can see in this picture, he's in a wheelchair. looks like he's also hooked up to an oxygen tank. Um, and he doesn't necessarily look like he's in the best health. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm being dead serious on this. And, and at the risk of making myself look slightly hypocritical here, this boy, I mean, if to look at him, I, I would probably say he's probably not in the best health to begin with. Um, and, and, uh, th that to me screams like he probably has some comorbidities, which means he probably wouldn't react to the virus very well. He probably would get very sick. That's one uncomfortable truth. The other uncomfortable truth is I really, 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 really hate it when anybody uses kids for their political propaganda is that left, really an uncomfortable truth though or just truth hold on hold on <laughs> hold on it, it, it is a truth it is a truth but here's where it's uncomfortable both sides of the political aisle do it oh absolutely and i call that bull crap out all day every day mm -hmm. on both sides of the aisle i hate it when you see the 
the eight-year-old carrying MAGA forever signs, right? As if right. the eight-year-old knows what the hell is going on or whatever. Or I'm here because mom and dad are here. Now, it's one thing if you're using this as an educational thing because here's a great example, Pat. Mm. So when Michael Dukakis was running against uh, George H.W. Bush, right, in 1988, yeah, right. I was uh -huh. seven, right? They're about six or seven. Yeah. Um, for the first time in, like, I think since um, John F. Kennedy was, was president, um, somebody running for president had come to Green Bay. My dad took my brother and I to go see it, to go see the rally right. at the airport. But we used he used it as an educational experience to understand what it's like to participate in politics. Right. That that's different. I would argue that that is completely different. I don't like it when the media does this crap though, because this kid. Oh, it's the I mean, worst probably, of the media. Yeah, this kid was probably very sick, and he looks like a really good kid and everything. Let this kid recover. Let him be a kid. Like let him let him live in peace. And and that that's just it 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 irks me to know that this this was used for somebody's political problem because it, it is I mean this is flat out urging people to get tested get vaccinated that's what this is being used for and with the spirit of the age this is this is very much a political prop piece yeah all right so I have an uncomfortable truth here okay. And it's that um, while Ted Cruz killed his um, presidential hope aspirations in 2024, we cannot dismiss what happened this week with Ted Cruz. Um, we must be people that can forgive, not forget, but forgive and still allow for them to do our work. And Ted Cruz did yeoman's work this week. Because it's possible that he may not have known anything about Ray Epps. It's possible that he may not have known some of the things that Tucker Carlson knew and exposed him on, right? Sure. But once he was brought, once this was brought to his attention, he became a vessel for the truth. And we saw it this week in, in what happened with the FBI, right? Literally asking them pointed questions. So the uncomfortable truth is that while Ted Cruz killed his um, political future, he's not done punching. I think this is just a perfect example of Ted Cruz being human, though, too. I mean, clearly he made a mistake. Yeah. Everybody he needs to be mistakes. held accountable for it. Yeah. He and the accountability is going to come right. from you ain't going to be a presidential candidate. Mm -hmm. I And I absolutely I, here's the thing. I would absolutely agree with that at this point. Um. You you must be held accountable for it, but he's just as flawed as everybody else. He's not this flawless guy, and he very much is a political animal in his own right. You know, like he he may do generally the right things, but he plays politics just like everybody else does too. And here's another uncomfortable truth: the FBI is the enforcement arm of the spirit of the age. It is being used they... by the spirit of the age to divide and conquer america i wouldn't say they are the arm i would say they are a arm i think they're the enforcement arm now why do i say this why could not the fbi answer 
how many FBI agents or informants were involved in planning January 6th? Why couldn't they tell us how many FBI informants or agents were even present on January 6th? It's not sources and methods. Because if you truly weren't part of all of this, the answer is we had nothing to do with it. That's not the answer that we got, right? The answers we got from the questions of Ted Cruz and others. And I think Glenn Greenwald is asking the right questions here. Leave beside, leave Ray Epps and all of that discussion to the side. How about how many FBI informants or agents were inside those key groups, as they say? How many of them? And why? Because what we need to know is if this was actually not a false flag, right? This is not about this being a false flag, but an action that was stimulated by one, two, three, how many individuals put this into action? And more importantly, why would you think that this is a thing that we should be doing? Uh, are are the FBI or is the FBI involved in now king making or queen making here in the United States of America? Because that's the other shoe to drop here. Because yeah. because why would you want to get involved in something that's purely political? If you're the FBI, why? The only answer to that question is you don't like Donald Trump, and you're well, going mean, to do everything within your power to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right? That's the mm-hmm. only answer. I mean, 2020 was not the only instance, by the way. They did it in 2016, too. If you stop and think about it, it yeah. was just different. It was just different. They used the the Steele dossier, proven to be 100%, 100% false, made up bullcrap, as the precursor for spying, for lying, for all sorts of things. I, I don't disagree with you there. I really don't. But I want you to think about this. Our apparatus to hold them accountable. Ted Cruz asked the right questions, but what comes of the bullcrap answers that came out of their mouths? Are we going to subpoena? Are we going to put them under oath? Are we going to make them answer those questions? I don't know if that's going to happen. And that's the uncomfortable truth here in all of this, actually, is that Our politicians might ask questions for sound bites, but are they really interested in digging at the truth? Are they really interested in putting their political capital and pushing all in on this? Because I think this is the, not the tip of the iceberg, but this is that crack in the mirror that bursts it. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And let's go right now. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.